everyone, and welcome back to another episode of My First Season, the travel and tourism podcast brought to you by yours truly. I had the pleasure of working with my guest today during my first season in the summer of 1994 in Turks and Caicos. I had not seen him or heard from him since that time. When I posted Anthony Salerno's interview from January 2023 about the amazing 70 celebration in Turks that we had, he left a very nice comment in the comments section of that episode and I reached out to him and he graciously agreed to come on the podcast. His first season was in Sandpiper in 1991 as DJ. He worked for Club Med from 91 to 94 in villages such as Playa Blanca, Cancun, Paradise Island, and Martinique. He also lived in Southeast Asia for 12 years, was married to a penthouse pet, has his own YouTube channel on personal audio called Head Karma, and lives with a 140-pound Presa Canario puppy. Who <laughs> is this guy and why did I want to be him so badly? Everyone, please help me welcome to my first season, Mr. Darren Wasson. Hey, Darren, how are you, sir? Greg, it's great to be here. I'm good. How are you, man? Oh, this is so crazy after all these years. Like, you know, like I never thought I would be talking to you again. And uh, so this is awesome for me, uh, me personally. So thank you for coming on and agreeing to share your story. Absolutely. The wonders of social media. Yes. Is that crazy? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we will get, uh, I do want to get your thoughts on that 70 celebration, but before that, you know, if you can take me back in time a bit to where were you, uh, you know, where were you living? What were you doing? And how did you first find out about Club Med? It, it was a totally random thing. I grew up in Southern California in a town called Arcadia, which is right next to Pasadena where the Rose Bowl is. And I got an invite from a couple of my friends that I went to high school with to go shoot pool at this really divey bar in Pasadena, which I didn't typically go to. So anyway, we went there and we started shooting pool and this guy walks in and he's hammered out of his mind. <laughs> I just start talking to him and he starts telling me that he works for this company called Club Med. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen commercials for that. Well, you know, what's it about? And he was telling me about it. And, you know, I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, this guy is a, this guy's pretty trippy. If he can work for Club Med, I could definitely do it. And that's what planted the seed in my head, just talking to this dude. And, I, I, and to this day, I don't know who it was. And he even mentioned to me that he wasn't sure if he was going to go back for another season or not. So that's how I got the idea. And then I reached out to Club Med, flew up to San Francisco, and the rest is history. And you had your interview there in San Francisco? Yeah, I had the interview. And then they, you know, they gave me some literature. And I, I literally knew nothing about it other than it looked groovy on the uh, commercials, you know. And I looked through the brochure and I saw, you know, hundreds and hundreds of properties that I could potentially go to. And then I saw the Florida one and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to pick up my roots and move to Florida. And sure enough, <laughs> that's where they wanted to send me. And I, I was literally going back and forth up until about the day before whether I was actually going to do it or not. You had applied directly for the DJ position or that's where they put you? No, I had applied for the DJ position. I've been into music since I was like four. One of my first vivid memories that I have is hearing Riders on the Storm by the Doors and it just blowing my mind at four years old. 
so yeah, I mean, there was nothing else at Club Med that I felt that I was capable of doing. And um, so I applied directly as the DJ job. Now, what do you remember about arriving at Sandpiper that that first week, first day? Do you remember anything? <laughs> yeah, I remember my first time going in to eat, eat a meal. And I was, I was, you know, I was, I was lost. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. And I was kind of just following around with Evergeo that would, you know, give me the time of day. <laughs> and I walked <laughs> in and I looked at all the food and I looked at this geo and I'm like, we get to eat all this stuff. And he kind of laughs and he looks at me, he goes, dude, how'd you get this job? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was my first day. I didn't know anything. And I don't even remember who the chef de village was. He was doing well, think, a. You it, told me Bernard Vigier, correct? No, Bernard Vigier came about two or three months after the fact, but there oh. was an, there was another guy there when I first got started and he was doing his stage and he was an American guy, but I, for the life of me, I don't remember his name. Okay. But if you ask Chris wheel, he would know because okay. Chris was there too. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. And so did you settle in? Okay. Were you any culture shock at all from learning the club ed lingo or, or anything like that? I, I would say that the, the biggest culture shock for me yeah, I mean, the club med lingo, eventually I caught on to all that, you know, in couple and the various yeah. things, <laughs> crack, crack rooms, et cetera, et cetera. But um, <laughs> I, I think the biggest culture shock for me was understanding the, the, the cultural differences between the various GMs and as a DJ you know, being a DJ in Club Med is actually a pretty tough job because when you when you go visit the scuba diving shack or you go to the ski shack, you know what you're getting into. They're going because they want to go water skiing. And similarly, back home, when you go to a nightclub, you go to the nightclub because you know they play a specific type of music that you enjoy, whether it's hip-hop or dance music or whatever you go to that club for that music at club med it doesn't matter what you play somebody doesn't like it it doesn't matter what you do somebody always comes up and says when are you going to play something good <laughs> ouch ouch okay so, did, you, did you have a knack for dealing with those type of uh, people? Well, you got it pretty much on a nightly basis because, again, everybody had a different perception of what good meant. But I would say that the biggest problem was learning, understanding what French people wanted because they would come up to me in the nightclub and they would say, play some rock and roll. Oh, OK, I can play rock and roll. I'd put on Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or whatever, and they would look at me and give me a dirty look and walk away. I'm like... What the hell am I doing wrong here? <laughs> and so fortunately for me, my first season, the previous season's DJ was still there doing snort picnics at Sandpiper. A very cool dude named Scott Bud. Scott, if you're listening, hello, I miss you. He took me under his wing and taught me pretty much everything about being a DJ at Club Med. He taught me how to beat mix. 
And he explained to me that when French people say rock and roll, they meant 50s rock and roll, like Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock, or The Twist, and stuff like that. And so he would come in at night and help me, and he would put this stuff on. And it was, you know, it was like a, a, a switch had been flipped. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what they mean by, by rock and roll. Because for me, you tell me to put on rock and roll, I'll put on Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, okay, you want to dance to rock and roll? Okay, knock yourself out. I don't know how you're going to dance to Sabbath, but okay. <laughs> So, well, yeah, that that was I think that was my biggest culture shock, um, just understanding the different cultures and what they enjoyed and what they didn't enjoy as far as music goes. Well, you brought up Scott Budd and, and the picnic and, you know, in the pre-interview, you shared with me this hilarious story about <laughs> about porta potty and the picnic. So would you mind telling us that story? <laughs> yeah, so. Because being a DJ, you primarily work at night and you mostly have your days free unless you're doing village, village or something else. The DJ typically got stuck doing picnics, helping out the picnic guy. So that's what I did. I got put into the co-picnic guy with Scott. At Sandpiper, we used to take this boat I don't know. It was a good 45 minutes to an hour, if not longer. I don't even remember, but it was, it was a trip up the intercoastal waterway into this deserted Island that the only way to get there was by boat. We took a group one day and some guy, I don't know who he was, decided to throw a lit cigarette butt into the porta potty. And, you know, we're all sitting there drinking and cooking and laughing and dancing. And all of a sudden, all these porta potties just erupted in flames. And we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> and, you know, the GMs are panicking. And Scott and I are like, all right, let's go down to the beach and wait it out. So we all took him down to the beach and just kind of like, Sang kumbaya and watched the porta potties go up in flames. But, uh, you know, the guests were very appreciative and they thanked. At this point, Bernard was was there as chef de village and he thanked Bernard for, you know, our keeping them safe and quick thinking on our feet. And it was, uh, that was one of the more memorable events of the first, my first season, blowing up the porta potties. Yeah, don't they? Uh stack a lot of chemicals in these things and this guy just went whoop and threw a threw a butt in there right like that's yeah and, and okay. there was a sign that yeah there was you know there's a sign in every door no smoking there's yeah, a sign yeah. <laughs> and the guy just didn't care didn't see it whatever and wasn't oh, thinking man. and boom it just went up okay <laughs> and about how long did you stay at sandpiper were you there six months or a year Six months. Back then, it was a six-month season. And then your next season, I think you had to Playa Blanca, 91-92, to yes. do snorkeling picnic? Yeah. So towards the end of my first season, Greg Snyder came through the village, and he was picking his team. And he already had a DJ chosen, but he didn't have a snorkeling and picnic guy. So he picked me for that. 
because I was doing, you know, picnics at Sandpiper. Yeah, so my second season, I went from DJ, I went to snorkeling and picnics. And I'm, without going into too much detail, I'm, I'm guessing the picnics in Playa were different from the ones in Sandpiper, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. They, they were uh, definitely different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can't really say too yeah. much about it, but. Yeah, they I were kind of t- tame when I was there. Like when we, I was there in 96, yeah, I think all the games were were gone. So even though it was Playa, it was very tame picnic, but I'm guessing like you were there in 91, 92. So they're probably still a bit crazy, right? I'm guessing. No, it was, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild there, you know, by the end of the day, pretty much all clothes have been removed and okay. people were doing various things in the water and um yeah, you know, that was just that was just the way it was. Now, is is this the uh, season where, uh, if you recall, I've I've always heard the story that Greg Snyder created the uh, outdoor hockey rink by Archery. Were you there for the for the construction? Yes, of that? yes, oh, okay. yes. I, I remember that vividly because growing up in Southern California, I didn't have access to any kind of hockey, a place to play hockey. And so I remember he he set up this hockey rink and I was just like, this is easy. Let me put on some skates and do this, dude. I lasted about five minutes and I was just wiped out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is tiring. <laughs> like, how do you do this? <laughs> so, yeah, I do remember that that vividly. That, that was a blast. And uh, I think you got tapped to be in, in a show here. Now, you 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 told me the show, and I was kind of surprised that Playa in 91 would have a show, such a wholesome show like this. I'm not missing anything. It was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right? Like the, it, the... it was. It was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and it was the only season that I did where I was actually in a regular show. I mean, I'd do a show here, I'd do a show there if somebody was sick. I'd fill in, but as actually a permanent member of the cast, it was the only season. And our chief of animation was a lovely lady named Tony Newman. And she had me playing one of the dwarves. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, just, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't mean to beat this to death, but um, <laughs> I, I, it, it was okay. Playa was a singles village, correct? It was, it was. There were, yeah. there were no kids running around. So this seems like a, a Disney show for, you know, but just the main audience was adults, right? I mean, I, I don't know why this, yeah, I'm no, hot, getting was, hung up on this. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it was, it was definitely a very big party village back in 91, 92. It was definitely all adults, but it, you know, that show and all the shows that Tony did went over very well. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm just amazed that, you know, cause I did, I've done those shows before in family villages. That's just, uh, I, I didn't think that anyone <laughs> would do Snow White and Seven Doors and Playa. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, she did it and it went off well. And then, um, you know, we had a, we had a couple, we had a couple weeks there in, in uh, Playa Blanca that was where the village was rented out by a gay and lesbian Atlantis, travel. Atlantis, Atlantis and uh, Olivia, correct? Yeah, that was Atlantis. And I'll tell you, they they were their best crowds. 
I mean, standing ovations after every show. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I never got to uh, to you know work at Club Ed when I've always just missed the group. But every almost every geo says the same thing. It was probably the best one of the best weeks they've ever had. Yeah, no, it was. It, it definitely. It was definitely a change of pace, and I would say it was like the only two weeks of my Club Med career where instead of me getting interviewed when I ate meals, I was doing the interviewing. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just, I was just curious. I'm like, have you always been gay? Or, you know, just asking okay. questions. I just didn't, under, you know, I wasn't really exposed to it before that. And so, yeah, no, it was... Uh, it was an interesting experience. I'm guessing. I'm guessing they were happy to answer your questions too, right? They were. They yeah. they were. You know, there was there was about a fifty fifty split, or some of the guys were, you know, had at some point in their life been straight and then decided to not be straight. Mm -hmm. But it was almost unanimous. All the women, almost all of them had been in a serious uh, heterosexual relationship at one point or the other and then decided that's enough for me and switched over. Okay. You have any more, um, any other fond memories of, of Playa? I mean, I guess, I, I guess Playa. I, yeah. I, it was like, it was like there in turquoise were my two favorite villages. The only thing I didn't like about Playa were the stairs. <laughs> oh yeah. Stairs. Yeah. If you had that, or if you're showing a GM to their room or your, yeah, your room was, yeah. Cause they were nasty. If you uh, were a bit tipsy, I, I recall. Yes. Yeah. That season we, the, the village flooded on two separate occasions, like flooded. Oh, really? The gym was under like four feet of mud. The nightclub was in, you know, three feet of mud. It, it was brutal. But, you know, we just played bar games at the bar and entertained the guests as best we could. And uh, I think that season I got dengue fever. Oh, boy. Which, which was not fun. Yeah, um, I think I, I got that too. Yeah. <laughs> where did you where did you get it? Well, I, I don't recall, but I remember exactly when it came upon me because it came upon me fast. I was talking to a GM and all of a sudden my whole body started shaking uncontrollably <laughs> and I didn't yeah. know what was going on because there was no like warning sign. It was just like all of a sudden I'm shaking and she doesn't know what's happening to me. And and uh, then, you know, probably out for a week at least, I think, then lost a lot of weight. I don't know if that has same symptoms for you, but. Yep. Yep, okay. Exactly. Light sensitivity too. I couldn't, I couldn't oh, yeah, that's right. look yep. at light. I was just like, oh, that hurts. Can't look. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was not fun. I remember our uh, chief of sports, Helios, he got stung by a scorpion, not once, but twice. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, those, yeah, those hurt. I got stung in Cancun much later on, but I, now I, I thought when I was there, one of the, one of the girls got stung and I thought she was carrying on too much. But then when you get stung, you're like, oh, okay, that that's okay. She was right. That really is painful. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. I've been, I've been stung by a scorpion, not a club med, but it, it hurts. Yeah. But Helios got it twice in one year, uh, one season. Yeah. Did, you know, I tried to play basketball with Chris wheel, you know, of course he, he he showed me up, you know, being yeah. a UCLA dude. Um, that's you know, that's right. Being, you know, I'm not the tallest dude in the world. I'm only like five seven on a good day, and 
And then we had our sound engineer, the flying Hawaiian Sammy. That dude was my height and could dunk a basketball. I was like, dude. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. He, okay. Sammy, Sammy had, had mad hops, as they like to say. Uh, was that, yeah, everything was centralized in that village. That's what I liked about it. So you kind of <laughs> had to interact with people, you know, like that's what was great about it. Exactly. It was, you got to know everybody, all the guests, there was nowhere to go. It was just, it was, it was a brilliant village and it really broke my heart to be honest when they tore it down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like so many, uh, um, at least we have the memories, right? Yep. 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 And I used to volunteer to do the, um, the, the bus ride, taking the GMs back to uh, Puerto Vallarta Okay, and wait a bring minute. You, back. you volunteered because that, that that was six hours, right? That's three hours each way, and you volunteered for that. Correct. Yes. Oh yes. God, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I loved really? it. Really? Okay. I did. I loved it, and, and I'm embarrassed to admit why. Um. Okay. I, I got. I I got to go to McDonald's once. A I week. was just gonna say that <laughs> the one trip I the one trip I did, we get there. Uh, you know, Vladimir and I get there, and the traffic guy salvador hands us a bag of mcdonald's and we didn't have time to do anything and we had to go right back on the bus he had already loaded the gms so there was no rest but i do remember him handing us mcdonald's you're right it was once a week you know and as good as the food was at club med eventually it got a little bit tiring for me and it was just a it was just a cool break to go and eat garbage food and just just breathe for a minute it was it was awesome i loved doing the bus ride wow Okay. And then you stay in Mexico. You go to Cancun, 92, 93, snorkeling yeah. picnic with uh, yep. CVA. Did you like uh, Cancun? Honestly, I did not. Okay. I, I didn't like it. It was the exact opposite of Playa Blanca. It was such a spread out village. And there was so much to do outside the village. Yes. You know. So you stop saving money. <laughs> yeah. And as a DJ, you know, the, the rule of thumb was as long as there's guests in the club, the nightclub, you got to keep it open. So there would always be like, you know, two or three people that just hadn't figured out to go into town. And I would have to keep it open till, you know, whenever they decided to leave. Meanwhile, everybody else in the village is out in town having a blast. And I never could go. And like I said, the, the village was so spread out and it was hard to meet people. So I, I didn't particularly care for Cancun, to be honest. Yeah. After Playa, you're right. It is kind of a kind of bit of a shock to the system. It is. It is. Yeah. It's like the difference between, you know, Paradise Island and Nassau to Columbus Isle. You know, when I first saw Paradise, I was like, holy, it was like, to me, it was like New York City in a way in the Bahamas. <laughs> compared to columbus <laughs> right i actually went to columbus for three days just on you a did. vacation and, I, and that was right when it first opened and that was a beautiful village oh really oh you were there for around just a few days just oh, a few okay. days right after it opened and it was gorgeous yeah never got to work there but it was a gorgeous village probably the best geo rooms there ever was really yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh god yeah tvs in them too and phones no Yes, yes. <laughs> it's crazy. 
after playa you know where you're you got a roommate and there's a, there's for some reason a large frog in your shower that keeps going back even though you keep putting them outside I, you know i didn't i never understood that in playa how that massive bullfrog kept getting in my shower but you know <laughs> right. I, put, I put him outside and somehow he'd he'd get back in the room in the shower so uh but yeah none of that in columbus <laughs> okay no, I, I, I loved Columbus just for the few days I was there, but Cancun was a bit rough. I only lasted there, I think, a, um, about a month and a half. And then there was a, uh, a mutual parting of the ways, so to speak. And then that's when they sent you to paradise. Well, no, first I went home. Okay. To LA and, uh, was just doing a normal life in LA for about, I don't know, six months a year. And I got the itch and I called, I called them the head offices and I said, you guys have any openings for a DJ? And they said, yes, in Paradise Island. So off I went back as a DJ this time. With Chief of Village, Jimmy Chishportish. Jimmy was awesome. I love Jimmy. Jimmy was so chill, so easy to work with. Just, I love Jimmy Sheesh Portiche. I got a great story about uh, Paradise Island. Uh, yeah, yes, please. Tell me tell me the story, Paradise Island. So, I was, I had met a girl, a, a GM in Cancun, and I eventually got her a job working in the boutique at Paradise Island. The geo rooms there were not very nice, to, to put it mildly. But there was like three rooms, three or four rooms that were adjacent to one of the bars on the beach. And those were really nice, really nice rooms. And suddenly one of them came available. And Whoever was in charge of planning, I forget who it was, asked if we wanted that room. We're like, yeah, absolutely. This is a great room. And they say to us, it's haunted. I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, the, the, the nurse that was in there before you, she refuses to go back and won't even talk about it. And I kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, no, well, yeah, we'll definitely take it. And we, my girlfriend at the time and I, I, we were there for like the balance of the season, which was a good 10, 11 months. She saw something I never did, but she woke me up one night. She says, there was a little boy sitting on top of a bookcase. Oh boy. Watching us sleep. Oh geez. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She goes, yeah, and, and she wasn't the type of person to, you know, make stories up like that. Sorry, was she, like, visibly shaken a little? Like... Lynn was pretty unfaceable. Okay. She, Yeah, no, she wasn't shaken. She was just, you know, she took it in stride. She's like, yeah, he didn't bother us. He was just watching us. I'm like, uh, okay. And then I talked to other geos and they had had similar experiences in that whole building 
And I don't know if you ever worked at Paradise Island. But... Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I didn't see anything, though. But uh, yeah, I've, I've heard the stories uh, and at the pool, too. The old lady the at the pool. pool. Yeah, the old lady in the pool. And it was salt water to keep the, the dead husbands buried underneath the pool. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I never saw anything. I had a I had a great time at Paradise Island. Played a lot of basketball with Ronald, who was, I think, my... He was chief of animation, good guy. We played hoops every day and Bahamians would come over across the boat and play with us every day. That was probably the best shape I've ever been in my life was at Paradise Island. And did you go into uh, NASA like often or no? You want braids for your hair, Rambo. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, you had that nice long hair. So I guess, yeah, you were constantly getting asked that. Braids <laughs> for your hair, Rambo. Yep. Every Rambo. time. Okay. Yeah. Rambo. <laughs> okay yeah so yeah we used to go over there on time we used to go catch movies at the movie theater it was i loved paradise island again i was bummed when they tore it down yep yeah well your your next village is still standing so that's good they, they send you to martinique 93 94 yeah and that one is still standing now has an in-ground pool too so it's still there how'd, how'd you what'd you think of martinique Martinique at the time that I was there was a pretty rough village. It, it was it was a village in transition. It had gone at one point pre me. It had been a party village, and I guess travel agents didn't get that memo, and they would send you know two or three hundred people on the New York charter every week, and they were like ninety five percent single dudes. Coming down to party and have a good time and meet girls. And there were no girls. It was all, by the time I got there, it was predominantly older French couples. And we had three Americans on the team and I was one of them. One of them was the nurse. <laughs> so essentially there was two of us to try to appease 200 angry male New Yorkers every week. Okay. It, it was it was it was a rough it was a rough season. Must have made for interesting picnics if it was mostly male. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't do the picnics. There. Yeah, I know, I know. I was, that's, I was, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was fully just DJ, DJ, DJ. I wasn't doing picnics anymore. And yeah, I mean, it was just it, you know they club men had decided to change the demographics, and New York didn't get the memo. That's right. So. Yeah, it was it, it was it was a challenging season. And you did uh, six months there, I'm guessing. No, sir. I did. I want to say about two and a half, three months. I know I was there for Bastille Day. OK, but our geo team in general had that season was like the lowest rated geo team. In the American zone. And so the chief of the American zone, Abdel, came down. And I knew him from Sandpiper my first year because that's where he lived. And he, you know, he stopped me on the on the walkway one day and just said, Hey, you know, what's going on? What what's what do you think the problem is here? And I gave him my thoughts. And two days later, I'm on a plane to Turquoise. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> So I only lasted there about two and a half months and they transferred me to turquoise. Okay. Yeah. This is where our paths cross. 
Yes. I believe you get to Turks in 93, 94. And by the yes. way, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I, I vividly remember eating lunch with you one day and a bunch of other people at the table. And I, I was, I was, you know, newly arrived. And I remember I was, cause people were always asking, GMs were always asking, Hey, Darren, what was, um, what was your favorite club so far? What's your favorite club? And, and you said it was Turks. And I thought you were being very, very smart, be, or, you know, because I thought, I thought you had to say, it's always the one that you're in. But no, no. It's only, it's only when you leave, you realize like for me, how magical that season was like for me personally. I, I, yeah. No, dude, I, I, I love Turks. Turks was fantastic. I loved that and Playa were my two favorite villages by far. Yeah. So I'd like to hear your, your recollection of uh, that, the, the 70 celebration that, uh, you know, Anthony Salerno helped set up for us uh, because I, again, first season, I thought every club med was doing that uh, that summer. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I mean, I, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty wild week you know meeting greg brady i think was just for me it was like dude that's greg brady <laughs> that's right like, standing right there <laughs> yeah you know i grew up watching this guy and here he is arnold horshack ron palillo rest in peace uh he was there i played scrabble with him one day and he cheated to beat me that's a true story, man. <laughs> and you were at the uh, Welcome Back Cotter Trivia, I guess, too, right? Uh, I don't remember if I was there for that. or I don't recall that, to be honest. But okay. um, no, Ron used a old English slang term for the female nether parts. Oh, be... boy. Okay. And I'm like, dude, you can't use slang. He goes, yes, I can. <laughs> and I'm arguing with him. And finally, you know, he's the GM. I'm not. Okay, you win. <laughs> That's... Were, were you even playing Dirty Word Scrabble or no? <laughs> no, we, you know, I, I was playing it straight up by the book. You can't use slang and right. blah, blah, blah. And it was down to like, you know, the final five or six tiles. And he had a Q, he had a U, and he decided to lay down this word. I'm like, dude, you can't use that word. Yes, I can. <laughs> And, so uh, yeah, but also you, someone asked you if they could kind of DJ. Uh, who who was it that asked you if they could just fill in or step step behind? You know where you were working. Who was that again? That was the Indian in oh, the Felipe. village people, Felipe Rose. That's right, Felipe. And yeah. uh, did he uh, did he crush it or or get crushed? <laughs> you know. JP built that up for days and days and days. Oh, we're going to have Felipe Rose in the nightclub coming up, you know, on Friday. Don't forget to be there. And then the next day he'd repeat it. The next day he repeated until Friday it was time. And so I opened the nightclub as usual. And when it was time for him to take over, I turned a packed dance floor over to Felipe. And within a song and a half, he had cleared the floor. <laughs> and he said something into the mic that I can't repeat and stormed out. And that was the end of Felipe Rose's DJ career. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, there's more to DJing than just changing records. And I don't think he realized that. Yeah, it was a very discerning crowd, too, at Turks. Um, you know, uh, so... You know, 
they they liked what they liked. They knew what they wanted. And I guess, uh, and Felipe is from New York, is is he not? He is. He's he's oh, a New Yorker. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> what what else do you remember? Did did you uh, now you probably you you've done a couple of seasons, so you weren't you weren't dumb like me. You knew this was a, a one off thing, right? Probably wasn't going to happen again. Correct. The seventies week. Yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, I was aware that this was a uh, you know, it was a special thing. And um the one thing, you know, from my understanding, Henry Gross was there, and yes. for the life of me, I never met him, I never saw him, I never heard him perform. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. And, I, uh... You know, that song Shannon is one of the saddest songs ever written. Yes, it is, it's a brutal song. Is it not about the Beach Boys' dog dying, or am I getting this confused with another no, song? No, you're you're. It's absolutely spot on. It's about a dog, okay. you know. And unless you really research it, you just assume it's about a girl, you know. And there's a million love songs about girls, but this is about a dog that ran away and never to be seen again. And for someone who loves dogs, it was, it's a crushing song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wow. Did, did you run into Lyle Wagner? Cause Lyle Wagner used to come sit with me in this, in the scuba shack. Did you, did you, you remember him? I re, I do recall seeing him once or twice. Yes. But okay. I didn't really, I don't recall interacting with them. Okay. Were there any other events that I missed before I got there? Like the, during that winter? No, you know, huh? we, you know, uh, no, well, I, can... I mean, I, I, I can't remember, you know, a lot of things. My memory is pretty bad, to be honest. I have that one story that I, I told you. <laughs> I, I, w- I wouldn't mind saying it because I had met a um, an exotic dancer, shall we say, from from Arizona. Yep. And uh, so to me, you like you were like you were always, the, the you know, the cool guy, you know, like you were just so nonplussed about, you you know, you're like, yeah, you know, laid back, chill, you know, the very definition. And uh so I met this GM and she tried to get you to play a song that you didn't want to. And uh, she said, well, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a lap dance. And you're like, I'm good. Okay. And of course she was beautiful and all that. So, you know, not many people would have said that. Okay. So that's what I admired about you. You just like, no, I'm good. You know, like <laughs> totally nonplussed. So, uh, you know, that, so I always held you in that regard, you know, like, wow, I, I like to do that one day. Just <laughs> Say something cool like that to, to someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't actually remember that conversation. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm not sure I would be able to turn that down today. But okay. that's <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh man! But yeah. uh, no, I mean, the whole season, I, I loved that village. I loved the Geo team. It was just in in. Something that I've never said to anybody before, but I'll say it here. Actually, that season was the beginning of the end of my club med days. Yeah, one season after that, correct? I I ended up going back to Cancun, which again, I wasn't fond of the village. And that was, it was, it was the end of it for me, but the impetuous to, to, to even quit is I was at, we were, I was at Turquoise and I was out, I was out in the scrub brush. I don't know what the hell I was doing out there. 
and I came across a stray puppy just hiding in the um, in the in the scrub brush. And I picked this puppy up. He was just a solid ball of white. And I just, I it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I miss having a dog. And that is the absolute only reason I quit Club Med is because I wanted to have a dog. And I couldn't have one, you know, and I had to put this poor dog back down in the scrub brush and I never know what happened to him. But yeah, it was like that one singular moment by chance seeing this stray puppy. I was like, hey, I, I got to quit and go get a dog. Yeah, well, my first season, I met, you know, Scuba Gestion and who's there, but Scooby, the dog, like, you know, who was an island dog. And I wound up, you know, letting him sleep in, in my room at, at night, but, you know, which was, was great that whole season. But I still remember saying, trying to say goodbye to him. I was, I was torn. Like this was killing me because <laughs> I get too attached to dogs. So <laughs> yep. I, yeah, it was, I still remember him running after me and I'm like, oh God, you know, oh man. Or seeing him yeah. go to walk, walk to seeing him walk to breakfast, you know, and if if the beef Wellington was overcooked, he'd like turn his <laughs> nose at it, you know. He got so spoiled, you know. And you're the <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I actually started feeding this stray cat that used to hang out right around my room, and you know, one of the perks, depending upon the village, but one of the perks of being the DJ is some villages like Turquoise, you get your own room. I didn't have a roommate. Okay. And so I used to sneak food out of, you know, where we ate and put it in a plate and bring it to this cat. And this cat I had named Decibel because this cat had the loudest meow. I mean, it was like a scream. And he was, he was totally wild. He wouldn't let me pet him. And I fed this cat for months and months and finally about two weeks before i left he finally let me pet him and it was like oh this is so cool you know and i spent like six months working on him trying to get him to trust me and i finally did it and then i had to leave yeah you i had a similar experience with the kit with this kitten at uh, the uh, scuba shack and you yeah you you outlasted me because he's kitten was so smart i you know because we had the scuba barbecue on tuesdays and so you know cats love fish but every time i tried to give him fish he'd claw my hand so i would drop it and i'm like hey that is really smart like he's <laughs> he refuses to take it from my hand you know he's got to get it out of my hand so he's gonna take a swipe at me <laughs> but yeah i could never get him uh, you, you had more patience than me that's for sure yeah, and I worked on that cat for a while, and I finally got him to trust me. That was that was like a little triumph I'll never forget. Well, you say, yeah, part of the reason is, you know, you wanted a dog, and boy, did you ever. So what is it like having a 140-pound uh, Presa Canario uh, dog? What, what, what What's that like around the house? <laughs> Can you have My nice things, Darren, is what I'm asking. <laughs> well, I do have nice things, and they okay. are... They're blocked off so he can't get to them. Okay. Um, he's still a puppy and he just, you know, he he's a puppy. You know, he runs and gets excited and he jumps on you and licks you and gets all fired up, except he's 140 pounds. And it's like, oh. Now, I know this dog is hails from Spain, right? So uh, Spanish breed, uh, Mastiff. So were they bred for any particular purpose back so they, then? They, 
Yeah, they they were. They, they they originate from the Canary Islands, which is owned by Spain, but it's actually closer to North Africa than it is Spain. And they originally were bred to protect farms and livestock from feral dogs and wolves and et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, unfortunately, people realized that they were quite good at dog fighting. And so that they were used primarily for fighting up until Spain banned the legal practice of dog fighting. I think that was in the 40s. And then the breed became almost extinct because people felt, well, if I can't fight this dog, then what's the point of this breed? And so it almost went extinct. They're a very intense breed. And I was very fortunate. I did a lot of research before I got him. I tried to find the best breeder that bred not only for looks, but for the kind of temperament I wanted. And he's... Well, yeah. Can I just interject? I'm reading, I'm looking at their temperament right now. So I've never seen these words put together. So it says the breed of dogs temperament is suspicious, stubborn, strong-willed, dominant, yet gentle and calm. Was that, would check, that describe check, yours? Check, check, and check. Oh, okay. <laughs> Down the list. They are, he's just the biggest cuddle bug. He loves me. I love him. He, he lays in my lap, all 140 pounds of him. But if he doesn't know you, he'll try to tear your head off. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, my wife and I were we're getting up there in age, and we live in the middle of a forest uh, with no neighbors, and we've got bears and coyotes and bobcats and mountain lions and everything that you can think of. And then we have a smaller dog too, so he's kind of like the bodyguard for the house. That was the reason for getting him to protect not only us, but our other smaller dog. So yeah, yeah, he's 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 a lot of work, but he he's he's an awesome dog. He is such a sweetheart. Yeah, well, I've seen some videos you posted there. Yeah, he uh, looks like a horse. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's a big boy. He's yeah. and he's he's strong. You have no concept of how strong these dogs are. There was a sad story a couple years, well, about 10, 10, 15 years now, I guess it's been, where a lady in San Francisco got attacked and killed by two dogs, and they were presses. Okay. So it's it's very important when you get an alpha breed like a pressa that you get it from a reputable breeder who breeds for the temperament. Because if you, you know, you'll pay for it. And you can certainly get them cheaper from a backyard breeder, but you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, these dogs are capable of chaos. All right. But you're still, you can still have nice things is what you're saying, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. I, I've got a lot of good audio gear and I, I keep it behind a, a large puppy gate and knock on wood. He hasn't messed with it. Well, yeah. Speaking of audio gear, would you have a couple of minutes to tell me about Head Karma, your YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah. So being a DJ and being into music since I was a little kid, once I got out of Club Med and uh, I just, I really got into 
I hate to use the term audiophile because it's kind of a dirty word, but I guess in the truest definition of the term, I guess I fit that description. I, I'm, I guess I'm an audiophile. So I have, I have my own YouTube channel where I review headphones and headphone amplifiers and DACs and um, tell my viewers whether it's worth spending all that money on a particular headphone or not. Okay. And uh, yeah, we will put the link in your show notes so people can come find it and subscribe. Yeah, that would be awesome. Will do. Do you yeah, have I have time? a little bit less hair now than I used to. Okay. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> We're getting, like Billy Crystal said in City Slickers, you're getting hair when you, where you don't want hair and you're losing hair where you want hair, right? Okay. Amen, Billy. <laughs> you, got, you got time for me a couple more Club Med questions? Sure. So I was just curious, like you, you mentioned uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Tish Partish, but were there other uh, GOs or chief of service or anyone that you enjoyed working with? Oh, regular? God. Yeah. I mean, Eric Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was my animator at Sandpiper. He's him and I got along great. Had a blast with him in the bar. We used to play bar games, that, uh, just blow people's minds. I had a great time with Eric. I went to a Raiders game with him after club med richard lights oddly enough he was the light guy <laughs> that's his real last name oh really okay i yeah, thought that was his name on his badge okay richard lights dj yeah. you know greg <laughs> scuba whatever his his name is actually light wow. and he was the light engineer um and we worked together he was he was at turquoise with us i think Oh really? Okay. I, I think so. Yeah. Richard was 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 lights at, at Turquoise. Had a great time with him. I mentioned Ronald, Chris Wheel, Red, geez, Doreen and Darlene from um Paradise Island. I Were mean, those... there's a lot of there's a lot of people, and I'm, I know I'm forgetting. Oh, no, but... no, I know. Yeah, don't send them angry emails, people. Okay. It's, yeah. it's been a long time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have you, like, I know you you traveled extensively, right? Like, you lived in Southeast Asia for, for 11 years, and but is there anything, like, today, like, do you find yourself missing about Club Med? Like, does it have to be three things? Is there anything that comes to mind that you, that you miss? At this point in my life, no. Mm -hmm. I've mellowed out considerably and I'm, I'm just kind of a quiet private person at this point in my life and um i don't really miss it but i'm glad i did it it was right up there in the top three of the best things i ever did in my life you know it, it really opened my eyes to um you know every week i would go to the Port of Vallarta uh, airport and pick up 500 pale, stressed out, angry, pissed off guests. And then a week later, I would take that same group back and they were laughing and smiling and handing me their phone numbers. And they were tan and they were relaxed. And it was a pleasure to see the transformation of what happens when people can live their lives as they should instead of being under the pressure of the day-to-day -day grind. 
So I loved it. I don't think I'd want to do it at this point in my life, though. Yeah, yeah. I'd much rather go as a guest now. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, am I forgetting to ask you anything or is there something else you wanted to say? Because you've been so kind with your time. I don't want to let you go unless uh, I know we covered a lot. No, but... dude, I, I'm an open book. If you want to ask me something, I'll answer it. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and lived over in uh, Southeast Asia for 11 years after Club Med. And um, and you met Hugo, we- Hugo Weaving, right? Who played Agent Smith in The Matrix. And you hung out with him I, for two weeks in Thailand. I, I, I did. I, I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a nice guy. What a nice human being. Just a humble, kind. His whole family was just lovely. I had gone over there by myself on like one of these tour packages. And um, I got into the bus and then seven people followed me in. And I turned around and looked at him. And there was like four kids and four adults. And i looking at him. And then there's this one guy. And I'm like, you're the dude from The Matrix. <laughs> And I spent the next two weeks with this group of people and they invited me everywhere. They included me in everything. And he is such a wonderful, kind human being. And, you know, seeing him as Agent Smith in The Matrix, you would think, oh, this guy is evil. He's like the exact opposite of his character. He's just the nicest dude. Okay, so you can meet your heroes is what you're saying. Sometimes you can, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you know, that's an interesting story. My favorite baseball player used to be this guy named Eric Davis who played for the Reds. And uh, I was in a restaurant in L.A. one night. I saw him standing at the bar. And my wife at the time goes, why don't you go talk to him? I'm like, I can't. She goes, why? And I'm like, because if he's an asshole, then I can't like him anymore. (laughs) Just so I never I never did go talk to him. But um, now Hugo was. Hugo was awesome. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because sometimes it doesn't get any better than that, right? Like you don't want to have that bad encounter. So no, you don't. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite musicians, uh, I knew where he hung out and he was there every night when he wasn't on tour. And I never went to, to hang out with him. I never went to meet him. And now he's dead. And by all accounts, he was the nicest guy. And I should have, but you know. It's like I didn't want to push my luck. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, what, um, yeah, like, I don't uh, I don't know what else to ask you. Like, we, I know we covered a lot. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite crazy side is. That's one question I would not ask you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to. I think say. I can only name one. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think I did crazy signs a grand total of like five times in four years. Okay. <laughs> I, I really wasn't. The rah rah geo. <laughs> I mean, maybe that that's obvious to outsiders looking in, but I just it just wasn't me. I was but more... part of your yeah, part of your job though was you know there was you you were the DJ right, so you didn't get yeah. to. I, mean... I had to open the nightclub as soon as the show ended. So that's during right. during Crazy Signs, I'm opening the nightclub with the bartender. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. You might have dodged a bullet there, sir. Okay. I think I did. <laughs> I think I did. Oh, man. It's been so good catching up with you, Darren. Really, man. This has been awesome. Nah, Greg, it, it's been my pleasure. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've been racking my brain trying to think of, like, it's just, you know, you forget a lot of stuff, but then when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. 
but oh, uh, it, yeah. it always happens after I stop recording though. Don't worry. Every it happens to everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. I, you know, I, and I still dream occasionally about working at club med and it's oh, always do? the same dude. It's always the same. I forgot. I forget my music and there's like a crowded nightclub staring at me and I've just got like dead silence. And I'm like, Oh, what do I do? I, well, I can't remember how to work the equipment and I can't, don't have any music. And it's, uh, it's the same dream every time. Well, it's because of you. I mentioned this to you before, like you're the reason I have my same recurring Clement dream, because when you were in Turks, you were going, um, you were going away on vacation somewhere. And luckily the airport from Turks is not that far, but you actually forgot your passport back in your safe. <laughs> so you actually had to go and almost risk missing your flight. Right. And I thought, right. wow, how can you forget your passport <laughs> to this day? Even though it's never happened to me, that's the same dream. I'm back oh, at Club Med, I'm leaving and I've packed everything and I forgot my passport. And I blame this entirely on you, sir. <laughs> Even though it's never happened to me, but because it happened to you my first season, <laughs> I never forgot that, it. That's brutal, dude. I, I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> and I'm working an entire day. It's not like I'm relaxing. I'm working like, you know, I'm doing arrivals, departures, everything. But then I'm, I'm going to go home and then I forgot my passport again. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that, that would that would be a brutal one. Yeah, you know, and the funny thing is, is I don't remember that. Oh, I, I do vividly because I, <laughs> I was at the airport a lot, and I remember thinking, "How do you forget your passport, man?" <laughs> Leave it to me. Yeah, well, they, that that airport was kind of rough back then. You know, they they would bring the planning envelopes and and everything. And I remember one guy, I, I won't say who, but he would actually, he liked to go to the airport because he swore, he swore he could tell who was gay from the handwriting. Okay. So that's why, because you had to fill out a card, right? When you arrived. <laughs> so he would so actually he had, go. He had, he had great gaydar. Yes, 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 yes. He swore he could tell and I would call BS on that all the time. But he, uh, I've actually, I think he was more right than wrong, actually. <laughs> he had a pretty oh, good yeah, there, bad, there batting average. One. There's one story that we haven't talked about. I ended up actually marrying a GM. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I met her at Turquoise. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, typical story. And after the one week was over, we kind of lost track for 20 something years. And then one day I get a message on Facebook from her and we start typing and then more typing and then phone calls and then coming to visit. And we've been married for eight years. Good Lord. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I think she'd man. be angry if I didn't mention her. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's, I mean, that's my, I, I don't think I know anyone else who've, who's had that exact story. No, I mean, Chris and God, what's Chris's wife's name? Chris Wheel's wife. Can't remember. Sorry. I can't remember her name either. Uh, anyway, yeah, they were, you know, they met their first season. and But now this is Michelle's was a GM and uh, came in in the New York charter. And yeah. Wow. All these years later. So Club Med definitely had a, a major impact on my life. Yeah, me as well, sir. Me as well. Yeah. Well, man, uh, geez, I want to thank you so much uh, again, Darren, for sharing your story with us here today. It's been awesome. Absolutely. It's been awesome. I appreciate it, Greg. Everyone, that was Darren Wasson. And we'll see you next week with another new installment of my first season. Here's where we say our goodbyes, Darren. See you later. All right, Greg. Thank you. I'll catch you guys later.